Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No days off. No. The Off Day Podcast Give me a chest <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Oh, Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. Friday edition. We were going to do this Wednesday, but then the Patriots decided to throw like 15 players at us and the entire coaching staff. So. We had to push this back to Friday, but this is our game preview podcast, Patriot Seahawks this Sunday. Uh, we'll start with the thoughts of the week. Pretty quiet week, I would say, but there were some rumblings about some potential wide receivers being available, and naturally the media speculated the Patriots could be interested. Yeah, and you wrote a column on WEI.com that I didn't read, but we talked about. Um, <laughs> you got the gist of it. Yes, and... I don't give a rat's ass what the person's name is. They need to add a weapon. I think that is just a simple fact. I almost don't think it's, it's debatable. Yeah. Like, I mean, the only way it's debatable is if suddenly Nikhil Harry is ridiculous. Like, he's your or, one. Or Demir Bird is making plays. I don't even think Demir Bird – like, I can't even – Okay. It's crazy enough for me to think that Nikhil Harry becomes a true number one. It's impossible for me to think Demir Bird becomes this transformational weapon who I no longer oh, I was just going to say he could be the number three and Edelman's the one, Harry's the two, Bird's the three. Yeah, I don't think Edelman can be the one, really. I think it has to be Harry the one, Edelman the two. If Bird slides in as a three and then Jacoby Myers is a four and Asiasi yeah. and what? Okay, but all of that is based on the premise that Harry is like a star all of a sudden. I don't buy that. Like, yeah, I know Cam Newton told me he had Harry had a good game last week and that the fumble overshadowed it. He did not. He no. 
Like you had a run you, of the mill. Game. You're actually you're ahead of the curve on the the play where Harry got tackled by the cornerback. Like that's been a big. It was, it was visually stunning. And well, again, I don't, did I, you did you actually see the all twenty two of that play? No. It was set up for him to like score a touchdown. No, I, the all twenty two was what I was watching live. <laughs> I was sitting there. I literally, I he had a head of steam. It could not have been drawn up better. Yeah. And it ended with almost like a, like if this were a movie, you'd be like, um, guys, he was supposed to score on that. Can we do a second take where he doesn't right. fall down because a guy breathes on him? Like, and again, I'm trying to give him the benefit. Of the, I'm trying to do what Cam Newton is doing, like give him time, get invest, like not jump to conclusions. But he didn't have a good game, regardless of the fumble. Uh, well, he didn't have a good game. He had a good game. game for his standards from last year. I guess, but not even really, because I think last year he would have taken that ball and made a play. Those were the singular plays he would make. Right, right. That's why I wonder if the shoulder was a factor in that play, if he was shying away from contact. Well, that's or, a good point because it just came up on the injury report this week. wasn't on it last week going into the game. Yeah, yeah. so I, 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 I think that might be an issue. But um, just the bigger picture wide receiver, Odell Beckham, you know, there was, there's obviously been a little bit of smoke with Patriots and Odell Beckham, but that was back in the Brady era. I don't know how that would be now. Um, it would also be a slight case to Brady if, if, he, if Belichick all of a sudden traded for Odell Beckham. Well, that might make it more likely then, based on the way things are going. Um, I know Beckham bounced back on, on Thursday night football uh, against the Bengals and had a you know 43-yard touchdown. I don't think the, the, the Browns are going to blow it up necessarily. No, I, I don't either. So I don't think that's likely the Allen Robinson thing. His agent obviously said he's not asking for a trade. And I, there's, you know, there's, they're still far apart. I think, I think it was Dan Graziano at something this morning from on ESPN.com, but just how far apart they are. But I think that who knows, maybe things change at the trade deadline, but I don't think he's going to be traded within, you know, beforehand. Right. And you know, that's a big name. OBJ is a big name. Um, I sort of reached out to somebody and said, you know, I forgot how I posed it, but I asked them, you know, will my son be asking for the jersey of the person you, you guys might trade for? And he said, probably not. <laughs> that anybody they might add would be more of like a rental type. Right. Or a, a sort of like a Sanu type last year. Yeah, which I don't think that's going to get anybody excited. And no. yeah, I'm not sure there's much to that. But uh, the bigger picture is they, they need weapons. They need a, a, a wide receiver who can help because I don't, I just don't see any of these guys taking it to the next level where we're not having this conversation on a weekly basis about not enough weapons, the wide receiver position. And your guy, you know what he has is getting his playing time cut back. And for for good reason, for good reason. He's 34 and he's banged up already. And we saw what happened last year when he was banged up, all of that. So I sort of look at this. It's now the opposite of when Sony Michelle arrived to the Tom Brady passing attack, I thought, oh, this is the perfect pick. He's going to be, you know, he's going to get chances to run with that passing game. Everybody focused on the passing game. It never came to fruition. Now it's the opposite. I think you have at least a weekend you've established Cam Newton, the running game, the new offense. The passing game is going to have some opportunities. There should be some defenses that are focused on stopping the run and Cam and RPOs and all that stuff. Right. But who's going to take advantage of those? Right now, the two that I would – other than adding somebody, other than bringing in Allen Robinson, whatever. I, I think you have to look at Nikhil Harry and Devin Asiasi. Those are like your guys with upside. Those are your athletes. Those are your draft picks. 
if that happens, comes to fruition, I don't know, but that's where I would be putting my hope if I were. And that's, I think, why Cam Newton was so supportive of Nikhil Harry. He needs Nikhil Harry. He knows he needs Nikhil Harry. We'll see if he gets Nikhil Harry. What do you make of Newton's approach with Harry compared to Tom Brady's last year? Um, I, I, I definitely think there's a thing there. Like, I don't necessarily – There's absolutely a thing. That wouldn't have played out that way with Brady. Like, when I blogged that, the minute Cam Newton said it, I, I referenced that in the blog, that this is different than it probably would be with other quarterbacks, certainly would be with Tom Brady if he were still here. Um, and and I, I thought it was interesting the way he not only supported Harry, but then built on it by talking about, I've always had an Akeel Harry, this young right. guy in Carolina comes in, blah, 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 listed all the names, whether it was Benjamin or Punches or those guys. Um, which, by the way, other than Christian McCaffrey, none of those guys really Did took anything. off and became stars. And, like, no. he got what he needed out of them for the time being when, he, when they were the guy, kind of, but none of them were high-end no, guys. They weren't, like, true number one receivers, no. Right. So, I mean, he's just in a different spot. It's what we talked about earlier in the week, and I think it's a real – it's not too many people are talking about it. Tom Brady was a superstar quarterback who was above the rest of the team. Even though Cam Newton is sort of a superstar quarterback, he's not above the team. He's part of the team. And all these relationships and handshakes and nicknames and celebrations and this, I think he is more a part of the team. And I think that's a good thing for the the dynamic of this team. I mean, some people are comparing. We had a call on Dale and Keith yesterday where a guy called and and compared um, Cam Newton to Kemba Walker. and Therefore, by connection, is comparing Kyrie and Tom Brady, like the superstars that might have been sort of yeah. above the team and negative, and, and and I don't think it's totally wrong. It's not that far off. Um, there, there are some. Like, I don't think Tom Brady was as bad as Kyrie Irving was, but there's some. There's definitely some comparisons to be drawn. Right, and in that way, both on the court, on the field, and in the locker room aside from the fact that the, the Celtics locker room was apparently a uh, powder keg ready to explode last night. Um, Kemba's better for this Celtics team in a way that maybe Cam Newton is better for this Patriots team. And I think one of the sort of visuals of that is the way he'll deal with Nikhil Harry. Now, in the end, it may not matter. Just because he supports Nikhil Harry and yeah, he's nicer. Than Harry's going to produce all of a sudden. Right. I mean, that, but it's a, it's a part of the process and it's a, it's a step maybe – potentially in the right direction I guess but it's better than the alternative like he's not getting phased out and if anything you know we're sort of seeing the Tom Brady thing play out in Tampa we don't necessarily yeah, can we, can we get to that I, okay well I, I just don't understand the outrage that people are getting on Bruce Arians for calling out Tom Brady Arians does that he's done it his entire career he goes through the media with this with his calling out of players is it right probably not but that's just who he is he does it with everybody he did it with their left tackle the same day he called out Tom Brady like I I just don't understand people in New England getting so hot and bothered by Bruce Arians calling out Tom Brady for having a bad game which he did like there's no there's no denying that he had a bad game but also certainly didn't seem like Tom Brady enjoyed it based on his answer yesterday. Well, I don't think he enjoyed the way he played. Because he's sulky McSulk pants already. Well, yes, but, but that's what happens when you go to a new team. You have no preseason. You have, you know, everything that's working against you. You're going to have a bad game. See, and I think they're going to be fine. I think there's a game coming where he throws for 370 and four touchdowns, all that. Yes. But 
I got to tell you, forget the like the the physical or the the mistakes Arians criticizes. If by like week six, Bruce Arians is saying, you know, maybe if our quarterback wasn't moping around the locker room every day, like right. now, that would be good. Right. But do you just – are you with me that like it, the criticism is like it's okay? Like Tom Brady's an NFL quarterback. Like he deserves to get criticized. It's okay. I think it's more than okay, but I think we're in the minority. I mean, Brett Favre was one of those that was sort yeah. of voicing – like there's people that are voice. It's so funny because – Everything gets criticized. That's the bottom line. No matter, right. you're always going to, if you lose, everything gets criticized. If you win, it's the right thing to do. It's the right way to do it. But, you know, like how many times over the years have we heard, um, wasn't it RG3 in Washington couldn't be criticized? Or even yeah. Cam, I think. I was going to say, even Cam had that reputation in, in um, Carolina. And I'm not saying you need to every week go to the media, shred your player. Like, I also don't think you have to walk on eggshells and, and not, be honest well, not open. not everybody has to be like belichick and say oh i have to watch the film or we all have to be better like every right. every coach league is not like that like i think people in new england think that the own belichick's way is the only way and everything else is wrong like no it's not like people do things different ways like it, it's okay right and I, I gotta be honest to me the the worst part of it or the that made it play out a little weird was the fact that arians was like apparently wrong post game and right then like so that would lend towards the the Belichickian. I got to see the film. I'm not real sure what happened on that. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. If it were so definitive that Tom was wrong on both of them, that's one thing. But it obviously wasn't. There was a little bit of gray area there, right. and right. But no, it, it big picture. I mean, these are big boys. They're adults. They make lots of money to be professionals, to be criticized, to be praised, to have success, to be like. I've never really understood that, and. I never really will understand that. Like, why, why is somebody beyond criticism? Like, now, I guess if you want to take it the next step, which I think you can say both directions, what's gained by it? Like, what's the, the benefit? Either way, right. you know, would the Patriots fall apart if Bill Belichick criticized a player? Would they, would they not have had a dynasty? Would they not have? Probably not, but you're right. I tend to think they still would have won. <laughs> right. So... And, and does this, because Bruce Arians criticized Tom Brady in week one, does that mean the Tampa Bay Bucks can't win the Super Bowl? Nope, I don't believe that either. So, you know, it's much ado about nothing, but you and I are definitely in the minority. The world, including some players, think it was like blasphemy to criticize well, Tom Brady. I, I just, it's it sort of like, so he's off limits from criticism. Like, that, it just doesn't make, that's the stuff that really just bothers me about people around here. It's like, but like you said, like, let's just say that the Bucks would have won, you know, and Bruce Arians made some sort of negative comment. Oh, he just wants Tom to be at his best. Like, right. if he's, he's not happy with just right. the win, he needs better. Like, right, right. It's all, it's all scoreboard. I will say, I bet you Giselle didn't love it. <laughs> Probably not. And but sort of like what you said too, like with the Patriots and uh, Bucks comparisons. Like, who's to say the Patriots lose this week in Seattle and Newton struggles and Brady beats? Carolina by 21 points there was four touchdowns the narrative is completely switched like that's sort of right. what I wrote in the week like these week one overreactions I just I don't like them I think it, I personally if, if this game and we'll get into the game preview goes the way I think it could we're gonna have two weeks of overreaction overreaction in one direction overreaction the other average them out and you have the Patriots and like I understand like Chris Curtis actually gave me crap for my story he said like we wouldn't have jobs if we didn't overreact well like you don't have to go all the way one way. Like you can kind of, you can have an opinion, but like, just don't go too, too far with it. 
we, we would still have jobs if we react. It's the overreact you don't have to do. Because right. to me, you're, you become the boy who cried wolf. If you overreact to everything, I don't care about you. Like if, right. if someone gives me honest analysis, honest analysis, honest analysis, and then the next time is like really emotional and passionate, I take it more seriously. If that person is always like freaking out overly, then I de like you get worked up about everything. I just, you're, you're just background noise right. or white noise. I, right. I don't care. So yeah. Screw All right. Them. We'll get into the game. Uh, so you said that you think there's going to be an overreaction in the other way this week. So you're saying that the Seahawks are the better team and will probably handle the Patriots with ease? Is that a hot take? No. Okay. Because I, I think the Patriots, I said this the other day, they beat an inferior opponent at home, a team they were supposed to beat, they beat. Right. They controlled the game. They played it on their terms. Fine. Now they're going to Seattle. I think everybody thinks this is a quote-unquote tough spot, even without the 12th man. I mean, it was a tough spot. Just look at the schedule. Like, right. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Russell Wilson completed 31 of 35 passes with four, four touchdowns. touchdowns. Belichick said – Belichick. that was one of his – Belichick's full of these glowing quotes this year. That was one of the biggest praise he's given the opponent in a long time. Yeah, and – I know we pick and choose when we listen to Belichick as he uh, fluffs up an opponent. Like, some, oh, he's doing his old Lou Holtz Wednesday morning. He, he, well, he, called, he called Joe Mixon the best running back in the NFL last year. Yeah, that one I didn't buy. <laughs> this one I buy. And I don't think it's hard to sort of rationalize Belichick's praise. Russell Wilson has been one of the top quarterbacks in football for basically a decade. Yep. And – in my opinion, does more with less than yep. most. And he takes a backseat to the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew right. Brees. He's not – the stat that stood out to me yesterday when I saw it, I was surprised, honestly. He hasn't had a single MVP vote. No, no. It's, that's crazy. Nope. And he doesn't lose. Like, he always has a winning slash good season. Like, there's nine and seven or whatever in there. But – and he doesn't get hurt, which we know with Belichick is huge, durability. Um, but the 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 – the way he – no running backs, okay, we'll do it this way. No receivers, no tight ends. Oh, we got a tight end. Oh, we, the offensive line stinks. I need you to, like, run around, put us on your right. shoulder. He does everything. But just and, like he did last year with Jacob Hollister. He made him look like an actual tight end. Right, and I've gotten sick of having, oh, Jacob Hollister. Patriots let that one get away. Sure they did. <laughs> so did the Seahawks, by the way, because he was on their practice squad, and I believe cut from their practice squad before he was even on the team. Right. Um, but Russell Wilson, he's in that weird place because – He's one of those – he may never go down as being the best quarterback in the league because of, Who as you said, Brady and yeah. Manning and Rodgers and now Patrick Mahomes. Right. But Patrick Mahomes has the best talent in football. We'll see if he can do what Russell Wilson does in a few years if Tyreek Hill is gone and Travis right. Kelsey has gone and Edwards Alaire gets hurt and suddenly your plan going into the season or the game. Yeah. He hasn't really had a true number one receiver. No, he may now. DK Metcalf. I was going to say, I mean, like, but those guys are sort of like the 1A. They're not like the Tyreek Hills of the world that can change a game, you know. Well, Metcalf may get there. We'll see what Metcalf becomes. Now, Lockett, I agree with you. He, that's his guy. That's his Edelman or whatever. They have yeah, a great it's, it's a good pairing. It's good. But it's not like, if you, it's not like a, he could play for any team and all of a sudden be a 100-yard, 100-catch guy. Right. Whereas – if you put me in a vacuum right now, like I don't know what my team is, a strong argument can be made, draft Russell Wilson as the best quarterback in football. 
because I don't know what Patrick Mahomes is without Andy Reid and without like right. I think Russell Wilson, you know, the old Parcells, he'll take his ins and beat urines and take urines and beat his ins. Like I think he's phenomenal. Even even to the point where the phrase for Cam Newton or Patrick Mahomes, any of these guys is he needs to learn to run like Russell Wilson, pick his spots. Like he's become the poster boy for how to be athletic, make plays with your legs, but not be stupid. Don't get hurt. Don't take hits. Right. Yeah. He's phenomenal. So that's one where I pick and choose. And I choose to believe Bill really respects and likes Russell Wilson. So how do you think the Patriots defend the Seahawks on Sunday? Like, do we, do we see a scenario like they did last week where they have all these DBs in the field, maybe have one, like an Adrian Phillips spy on Wilson? Like, how do you think that they handle that? Well, in general, I think they're going to be a, a heavy DB team. Um, now, the the wild card here is Chris Carson's a tough runner. He didn't run a lot. They didn't run the ball. Pete yeah, talked about it. Uh, Bentley mentioned that yesterday, sort of asked about like, how do you defend Wilson. He actually threw out there. It's like, well, people sometimes forget about Chris Carson. Like, he can make you pay. And if you go light, I think – now, here's where I think it's, a, it's an interesting cat and mouse game. If you go light, they're probably going to try to run the ball. Yep. In a way, though, I think that hurts them because that's playing into the Patriots' hand of two teams running the ball, keeps the score down. Right. Now you are in range, whereas like I, the Patriots do not have the ability to do what Atlanta did and throw the ball for 450 yards and 300 yards, like all of that, getting a shootout with Russell Wilson. So I am, But then again, if you're the Seahawks, you say, well, their pass defense is the Patriots' strength. Um, one of the things I am interested in is, is the matchups here. Is this a DK Metcalf? Stefan Gilmore game I would go the other way I'd go JC Jackson with help with Metcalf I put Gilmore on Lockett and I feel yeah yeah because I I don't know I'm I'd be intrigued to see Metcalf on Gilmore but I see I don't from a size perspective I don't think Gilmore could do it and I also think yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't know, because Gilmore's really good. He had the PIs, obviously, in week one. And that's one. not really how Bill seems to do things. Like, haven't they done this over the years? They usually put their number one on the guy's number two to take him out of the game and yep. then double up the, the, the one. Yeah, so, I mean, that'll be something interesting to watch early in the game and then as the game evolves. Because they didn't have Gilmore on Parker last week through the no. whole game. They moved Which around. I was surprised a little bit by. They mixed in some zone. They, you know, mixed up the man coverages. So, I'll be interested to see that, but I do think just your general question, they are a, a, an extra DB team right now. That's how their roster is built. Their best, if you're going to put your best 11 on the field, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, Joan Williams, those guys are in the mix to be on the field more often than not. Um, Olsen, obviously you have a tight end that could yep. be a matchup concern or consideration there. So, but I also think there's a chance that Russell Wilson comes to the line and checks to a Chris Carson run with you know relative regularity so it's an interesting matchup and you know I just wrote a column posted on the website about you know it's probably this week but at some point Cam's gonna have to literally pass his next test as the quarterback and we know the Seahawks are capable of marching right down the field seven nothing and then you punt and they march down the field again it's ten nothing you know the Patriots are gonna have to pass that's why if I'm if I'm the the Seahawks, I don't know if I fall in love with the run game, even if it sort of philosophically might be the right, right. thing. Because it could actually work against you. Yeah, it's and it's weird. And, I mean, the one thing you're not going to get, I'd be stunned if Russell Wilson throws three interceptions the way Ryan Fitzpatrick did. Yeah, I, I would be too. So, um, the bigger picture is just in general, the Seahawks are the better team. The Seahawks are at home. 
Do you know this is the first time in NFL history that no team has two road games or two home games consecutively? All the teams that were at home in week one are on the road in week two. Well, didn't they do that purposely? Wasn't there something with the week two, everybody? Yeah, there was a week two something. Everybody that plays each other in week two is the same bye, I think it is. Week five bye or week so they add the game back in if they got canceled. Right, right. But I don't think that has anything to do with the home and away thing. But a weird scheduling quirk. Yeah, and it's interesting. And now you get into the fan things because what did I see last night was in Cleveland was 6,000 fans they had. They had fans. I, I don't know the exact. I thought you're right. Maybe six to eight. It was under ten, I think. Yeah, it was a relatively low number. They still, as you saw the video, they still had a fight in the stands, um, which is impressive. No fans in Seattle, which is a plus for the Patriots. Although there are um, air quality concerns based on the smoke from the the wildfire. Yeah, the, so the Mariners moved their weekend series to San Diego. Uh, Belichick and Carroll seem to get reports that the wind's going to shift and clear out the air by Sunday yeah. night. They don't seem worried because, I mean, the Patriots are leaving Friday afternoon. You can't. Right. If, they, if they were, if there actually were concerns, I don't think they'd, they'd probably leave Saturday. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. They can't leave their hotels anyway based on the COVID rules. So, No, I just mean if there was any indication the game would be played somewhere other than there. Oh, I they wouldn't be going to Seattle? Yeah. Right. They'd be flying to L.A. No, not right. L.A., I guess, but like we're right. Arizona. Yeah. Um, to have a neutral site game. So, I'll be stunned if they don't play Sunday night football as scheduled where scheduled. What do you think the offense looks like? Like, do you think it'll be a a same attack as last week? Or do you like it to me? I think Seattle is smarter than Miami and Pete Carroll won't allow Cam Newton to run like he did and will make him pass. Yeah. And that um, we're talking about Belichick. The other, we talked about the Wilson comment and some of that. The other thing I found really notable from Bill's comments this week were the way he he said Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, like yep. they're the trio, and I don't, I can't recall him sort of specifically pulling out a uh, a power structure or a hierarchy on a team like that before. And there's been other teams where it's been obvious, coach, quarterback, defensive player, what I, I thought that was interesting. So you know, Bobby Wagner is obviously a very good football player. Um, not the first time he's seeing any kind of read option or any right. of these things. I mean, they're in the same division with, with Kyler Murray for the last year and right. you know, things San Francisco does and all that. Well, so I, that's, that's an NFC thing, it feels like. like they, play, they played Carolina. Carol talked about that earlier. They've seen Cam Newton play. Right. So I, I find it hard to believe Cam Newton is going to execute as successfully if, it's, if we're just focused on the, the read option and the zone reads and all those things this week. Um, that's not to say that I think they're going to sell out. You know, that was the um, – when Bill was asked about, you know, run first and, we're, you know, too much running and he got, oh, the defense could take that away if they just decide to take Cam away. Like, right. No one's going to sell out to take Cam away and just let him hand the ball off with regularity or pitch it with regularity. They might just play it tighter. They might just read it better. They might have right. better athletes on the field. Like Bobby Wagner may do a better job than a Landon Roberts does, right? I'm pretty sure he will because he's a far better player. Um, so another thing that annoyed me this week. Have you seen the clip of – um, Michael uh, Onwenu making the round. Yep. Oh, first play of the game. He killed the Landon Roberts. I don't mean to defend the Landon Roberts. Looks like he stumbled. Like I saw the clip. I have, I didn't really read too much. I didn't see them slip, but I didn't really watch enough to know. 
it's being glorified as the greatest block in Patriots history. And I'm telling you, Alandon Roberts kind of stumbles. He overruns the play, takes himself out of the play, and just kind of falls down. Like, no, I, I thought, um, is it Onwenu? Is that how you say I it? I think it's Onwenu, yes. Onwenu. Um, I thought he played well. I was impressed with what he did. But that play in particular, to pull it out like he pancaked Alandon Roberts, I mean, relax. Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit there. But, um, no, the offense, it's not going to – they played that game on their terms almost perfectly. Like, that's not well, going to happen again. Well, like you said, if they fall behind – seven nothing like they're not a team to or ten nothing they're not a team to come from behind they are not built to come from behind but i also just think it's unrealistic to to uh, assume that you're gonna have six guys with 20 plus rushing yards and your yeah, quarterback's gonna have 75 and, and he's gonna complete 15 of 19 passes when he needs them like I, I just josh did a great job the game plan was great the calls were great the execution was great it was all perfect it is not going to be perfect this week there will be a turnover, a dropped ball, a punt. Now you're chasing. Like yep. there's going to be adversity this week where, I mean, their adversity last week that everybody pointed to was when the Dolphins cut it to 14 11, they answered. Well, like that's right. not. But also, like, like I said to you, I think last, earlier last week, like that game was never in doubt. No, no, it wasn't. And there's going to be more doubt, more adversity this week. I'll be stunned. If they go into Seattle and just roll through the Seahawks, okay. control the game. That will be – you're talking about overreaction. I will overreact to that because I just – I can't foresee it. Um, so how they react to the scoreboard, the adversity, the way the game is declaring itself, we'll see. We'll, we'll de- and I also think this is a good test for the idea that their secondary is truly elite. Like, that's not the best passing attack in football, but Russell Wilson, Lockett, and DK Metcalf, that's a pretty good trio of weapons. Then you mix in Olsen and what yep. they can like, – I'm interested to see how they handle that that matchup and and the challenge that it is. How do you see the game playing out? Like, do you see do you see a close game? Do you see a blowout? Like, what what do you see? Kind of the spreads. Uh, Patriots are four point underdogs. Lay the points if you're Seattle. Um, I did my main radio hit Patriots playbook up in Portland this morning, and uh, I went thirty to seventeen Seahawks. So I. I think, but is it a third seventeen that like it's close to the third quarter, or is it like they're behind early and just playing, trying to catch up all game? I think the Seahawks will control the game. I okay. do. I, I think they're going to play the game on their terms as the better team, the superior team, the Super Bowl contender, whatever you want to call it, at home. Um, I think they will control the game. Now their defense, obviously, they gave up four hundred and fifty yards passing. Right. Like so, I'm not saying their defense is elite. I just don't know that the Patriots are equipped like the Falcons with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley of taking advantage. I mean, he targeted three guys 12 times a piece, Matt Ryan. Like Cam Newton threw 19 passes total. Total. <laughs> to only so, two receivers. Right. Like I don't that would be a dramatic, dramatic shift. And again, you want to see an overreaction positive Andy. If they go into Seattle and win this game and control this game, I, you might have to tell me to pump the brakes on uh, our podcast. What if, um, what if they go in and lose, let's just say, I don't know, 27-24, a game's tight the entire way. Like, do you feel do – you, do you change the way that you view this Patriots team? Probably. Like, that's a good sign to me. That's a, that's a moral victory or a measuring stick or whatever cliche you want to use. And, and Bill could pull out – you know, you guys played a good, tough game tonight. You know, 
we might see that team again now. You never know kind right. of thing. Right. Um, but I would. I would put credence in that far more than a, anything I saw last week other than Cam Newton was healthy and you did what you were supposed to do. Yeah, if they go in and lose, but they you know, fight the good fight, so to speak, I think that will be used as a positive moving forward. Uh, running back, that seems to be a position that I don't know what they're doing. Just th- I don't think they know what they're doing. I think there aren't, they're trying to find somebody to sort of like emerge as the number one guy. Like, well, first of all, if we start with running back, um, you mentioned it earlier, assistant coaches were available this week. Yeah. Now that Dante Scarnecchia is gone, if there is a must-listen assistant coach, his name is Ivan Fierce. He's it's so not, freaking good. It's not Mike Pellegrino? Uh, no. Um, yeah, by the way, Mike Pellegrino in one of his said, like, I think it was social justice related. It was like, uh, the, uh, the team will issue a statement and I'll stand by that or something. I'm still waiting for that statement. I don't know what the statement Wait, what? is. what? Yeah, in one of his. Like one ass of, ones? Yeah, like probably last week before the opener or two, whatever yeah. the last. And I think the team will issue a statement and I'll let that stand. Or, and I was like, I don't think they're issuing a statement. And if you're going to like, if you're going to balk or pass on a question, do a better job of it than that. Right. Um, but no, JJ Taylor's the story this week in some yeah. way. Um, Ivan talked him up nicely. We know Ivan liked him. Remember he was very praiseful, but Dion Lewis, right. Little Dion Lewis. Duh, and he said, but we'll wait and see. Cause you know, he hasn't played yet. Now he said, a, he compared him to Darren Sproles, and then B, he said he's already earned the chance to see more of what he can do. Like, well, I agree. Yeah, and paraphrase, I don't want to – what you said to me, because you were in on Ivan Fears, what he said about, he, about rookies earning their time. Oh, yeah, he was – Ivan was asked a question. Um, I think Alex Barth asked him. It was a good question. Like, other than the first-round picks, Sony and Lawrence Maroney, a lot of running backs have been held back in their first year in New England. And Ivan said immediately, I, I think you're looking that, at that in the wrong way. We don't hold anybody back. We make them earn what they get. And what they get in the practice field, they then get in the game. And then if they take advantage, and it keeps building. And he said, I think it was after the third day, J.J. Taylor fit right in. He was quite impressive. And he earned what he is getting, which by extension – Damian Harris didn't earn last year, if you want to do a comparison. That was, that was the immediate jump that I made. Right. Now, I will say it's a different team, different backfield. You know, the, for example, is J.J. Taylor even active if Brandon Bolden's on this team? Probably not. Probably. He, Brandon Bolden returns kicks. He's a special teamer. He can be your extra, you know, give you a couple carries here, catch a pass there. Just yeah. everything J.J. Taylor did, Brandon Bolden is capable of doing. He did it last year. Right. So, but the opportunity comes available. Damian Harris is on IR. Brandon Bolden is, is opted out. Boom, J.J. Taylor comes in, has a great camp. And most importantly, J.J. Taylor looked good. Like, he burst through the line. He had, you know, 28 yards on four carries, an 11-yard – like, he looked good. I said to you that, you know, I'm ready to see more of him more than I've ever been ready to see more Sony. Like, Sony had another typical Sony game. Everybody's got four yards of carry, but not Sony. Sony's down at three-whatever. 3.7, same as last year. Doesn't maximize anything. I just don't – And I don't want to kill Sony, keep killing Sony, but just watching that game last night, how many, like, tackles does Nick Chubb break? Like, he broke more tackles on one run last night than Sony's broke his entire career. Which is a popular thought today. The touchdown twins and others are very much on that. And I've been saying this since last year. 
I saw Nick Chubb break more tackles at Gillette Stadium in one game than I've ever seen Sony Michelle break at Gillette Stadium. And he's played there for two plus years. Like, it is what it is. Like, Sony Michelle, and this is where it's interesting because Fears was very praiseful of um, JJ Taylor. He's also very praiseful of Sony Michelle. He's so a he positive likes- guy. He really is. I love him. <laughs> like, I can see why running backs love him, want to play for him. Like, yeah. He's, he's not going to throw you under the bus. He praised Sony for how quickly he's, you know, got back from the injury and gotten healthy and how he performed. Although then he said, uh, although he did trip on that one chance he had for a big play, he's got to get his feet up. He tripped over Jakob there. Like, well, then he didn't have a good game. Right. Like, this is professional sports. You only get so many opportunities to make that big play. Well, you know, it doesn't matter what sport it is. Like, that's like saying the guy had a breakaway in hockey and tripped. He had a good game other than when he tripped on that breakaway. Yeah, he could have scored, yeah. Yeah, you don't get too many breakaways in hockey. Like, right. you can take advantage of them and get the shot off. So, I am ready for more J.J. Taylor. And this has been, I know Teddy Bruschi said the same thing. Now he's a little biased because he's an Arizona guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I'm ready to see more J.J. Taylor. See if he can be that next. Deion Lewis, um, who was the little, what's his name? Scrolls. Danny Woodhead. Oh, uh, I was going to say the little white guy, uh, Danny Woodhead. Um, I'm ready to see if he can be more of that. And just and the way this team is built, like we talked about the lack of weapons at receiver. I don't know that you need to have uh, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. Maybe you have sets where J.J. Taylor motions out and he's the slot receiver or, or right. whatever. Like right. You may have to be more creative in your personnel and your, your packages. So, yeah, I liked what I saw from him. I'd like to see more. Um, the rest kind of fell into their usual roles, role, sort of. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have to lean on them. Like, I'm a, I don't think you're going to have to get contributions from all those guys. That's Tannenbaum wasn't right in that it was the best position room in football or whatever. But, maybe but the deepest. it's the deepest on your team. Like, you having, and did you, I know this is a dangerous question. Jeff Howe wrote a good story on The Athletic this morning. Did you read it? I saw the headline. I haven't read it yet. Um, it's a good story about um, it's the go-go offense that Cam Newton, I don't know, it, it's complicated. I'd urge people to go read it. It's a good story. Basically, though, it's it's that look where Cam Newton had a back to his left and then another back off to the wing, and they can run the triple option out of it. There's a lot of offshoots off of it. It's sort of a high school slash college offense um, that Cam Newton had some experience with at, at Auburn, and you know it's been very successful in various places, I guess. Um, Kingsbury's used some of it with Kyler Murray in Arizona, the specific look I'm talking about. And yep. that's, that gets multiple athletes on the field. You have Cam Newton who's a good athlete. You put James White next to him as a good athlete, Rex Burkhead, J.J. Taylor, whatever combo you want. I think you should see more of those. If, if, it's like I said on defense. If your best 11 are trying to go out there, there's probably a bunch of defensive backs on the field. If you're putting your best 11 offensive weapons out there, there's probably multiple running backs on the field if, if you're being honest and if you're being fair, if it's a meritocracy. Right. Um, lastly, Pete Carroll, like, he's a good coach. I think he sort of gets a not a fair shake, and I think Belichick has a lot of respect for him. Like, they, just the way that they talked through the media this week, praising one another, Belichick sort of joking about Pete Carroll's birthday and getting older and, and this and that. Um, what are your thoughts on Carroll? Do you, do you agree with me that he sort of gets sort of a bad shake when it comes to just him as a coach? Well, he's in the um, – that level they've all been in. We've talked about this over the years. 
if you're a coach and you're not Belichick, well, you stink. And if you're a quarterback and you're not Brady, you stink. If you right. took Belichick and Brady out of the last two decades, you, we look at everybody else differently. Like, yeah. you know, you one ring is good. And that makes you an elite, you know, and Pete is one play away from multiple rings. Mm-hmm. He's, we talked about the Wilson consistency. Well, Pete oversaw the Russell Wilson consistency. Yep. So, and he's created, one thing he's done that, that Belichick hasn't, this has been a big talking point this week, is the, the Seattle defense and the way it's being played in, I think Jed Fish said eight or nine teams are playing yep. it, that whole idea. Um, so, yeah, I think Pete's a really good coach. And, you know, like Andy Reid, he won the ring last year, so he gets over the hump. He's been a good coach for two decades, but he needed the ring. Pete has the ring. His second ring will probably elevate him even higher on sort of yeah. that modern list. Um, but I do. I think – now, you can – he he does a lot of questionable things. Sean Payton does a lot of que- – that next tier of coaches, Andy right. Reid, Andy does Reed. a lot of questionable things. So they're not perfect, but they are that next tier of great coaches beneath Bill Belichick. And I do think Bill legitimately respects him, likes him. You remember the um, – were you at the Seattle Super Bowl the pay, pay, the Friday before? The Friday. They had that yeah, I think that was that was the last time they actually did that. And it was like a a love fest, tickle fest, yep. whatever you you know, mutual admiration society thing that I think is genuine. I don't think it's for show or no, because like the joking around about the birthday, like that. Bill's not going to do that to somebody that he doesn't know or doesn't really communicate with. Like that that was genuine. He I think right. that they get along. And you know, obviously, Pete and Bill are polar opposites in a lot of ways oh style like yeah right you know i'm pretty sure bill is not going to take his shirt off when a prospect walks in the room at the combine but that works for pete you know pete does his thing and you know i don't know how much you know about pete's also weird off the field like he he believes in aliens he believes in like like, i didn't didn't know that but i'm not surprised yeah he he's into some weird that kind of stuff um but the success speaks for itself and i don't discount Wilson for having Pete and I don't discount Pete for having Wilson like right. Belichick had Brady Walsh had Monday like they have been one of the better combos in football for an extended period of time now and that's not that's not by accident uh anything else you want to hit on wait you didn't pick the game oh I, well I gave it's gonna be closer than I think people think I don't have to be so closer than the experts. I mean, like you said, the Seahawks are in control of the game from start to finish. I could see a scenario where Vic Daniels comes out with a good game plan and they hang in there the first half. Um, We'll see how the Patriots defense does. I have, I still have some questions on how they actually play against a good team. Let's go with um, Seattle 27, Patriots 20. 27, 20. So a one score game. A one-score game the whole way? Do the Patriots yeah. have a late four there? How's that work? No, it's close the whole way. What a homer. No, I, I, I saw things last week on offense that I think can be sustainable. Defense, I don't know. Like, I, I can't judge the defense off of playing Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. Uh, that's fair. Both ways. Like, yeah, I mean, you might be fine, and, you know, the, now you have a better measuring, or – you don't get the three turnovers. You don't look as good. Like, yeah, right. it could go both ways. Right. I, that's an optimistic look at this game. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I guess I'm further off. 30 to 17 is. Yeah. But that's a, that's a two score game. That's a. I mean, I think we can safely say we'll know more about the Patriots Monday than we did last Monday. Yes. But I also, 
We're right. also going to get into the eventual discussion of, you know, in this weird year, it's only two weeks where the, you know, the growth. And I right. did think it was interesting. Jed Fish brought up how much um, Josh and Bill are pounding the week one to week two improvement this year and the need for it. And, you know, that's seven days and, and sort of, yeah. I, I, I think that's interesting because this team does need to get better, regardless of what you think they can be. Yeah. They need to get significantly better. And that'll be tested very quickly this year um, with this trip to Seattle. Uh, we did not do questions this week. We should probably ask for them the next time. Yeah, we should. So are we sticking with well, what's our plan moving forward? We should probably tell our listeners, be respectful of their time and what their expectations should well, be. We talked about it. Like, I think ideally we should probably do a, a Wednesday, but I don't know if that actually works. Okay. So you don't like the Friday. I don't know. The listeners tell us, do you like the Friday podcast? Do you don't like the Friday podcast? Like to me, it's too close to the game, but I don't know. Maybe people feel differently. Maybe they like to listen to their preview podcast on the weekends. I don't know. Okay. So that's the opportunity. Also, we are going to more often than not attempt to do Sunday night post game podcast. Correct? Yes. Okay. This one will probably be a Monday morning yeah, one. This one's a Monday morning. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, the game will actually end barely on Sunday. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but- either we'll have the immediate, Sunday night ones more often than not. Occasionally, they'll be Monday as schedules and Zooms and things require. But And then we will, uh, yes, we will take advice from our listeners. If you want it on Wednesday, we'll try to figure it out for the Wednesday, Wednesday schedule. If you don't mind Friday, I think it fits a little bit better with the schedule. It also allows us to have a little bit more um, Stuff to go on. quotes, yeah. players yeah. talking, things of that nature. So let us know. Yeah, I don't out. mind the Friday podcast if people listen to it. So. Right. Let us know. If you like the Friday, we'll keep doing it. And how do they let you know? Uh, on the Off Day Pod Twitter account, which... That is at Off Day Pod? Yeah, or you can just tweet at us. That's fine, too. Or at Jumbo Heart, or yeah. what are you? Ryan Handel, first and last Ryan name. Handel. Yeah. I don't know. Just making sure there was no underscore or anything in no, there. No, no. Yeah, so and please. You can always... We haven't done official questions, but anytime you want to send questions, it doesn't have to be just when Ryan tweets it out. Send either of us questions, and we yep. can answer those post game we can answer those in our pre-game one whichever one during the week but right we'd like a little more interaction if possible yes yeah, so give us the feedback and we'll go off of what you tell us because yes. we're, we're a podcast for the people that's what we're trying to be anyway all right well uh we'll talk to you monday morning so no curveball this week no no curveball this week okay bye <laughs> peace out Hi, Bruins fans looking for more coverage of your favorite hockey team? Follow the Skate Pod hosted by Scott McLaughlin, Brian DeFelice, and me, Bridget Prue. Get your Bruins coverage from WEI's team of Bruins writers. We're the people who are at the games and talk to the players every week. For analysis of every Bruins game and exclusive interviews with the players, listen to the Skate Pod on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.